0: You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Ian, look
1: at this.
2: What, it's a police box. What on earth is it doing here? These things are usually on the street.
1: Feel it. Feel it, you feel it. It's a faint vibration. It's alive. Earth Station home.
3: A fun mashup celebrating nearly 50 years of the Doctor Who universe. Hold tight. You never know where the TARDIS is going
4: next. Who
3: are you?
4: Yes, I'm glad you asked that again. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Now please, get off this planet. You
5: still have a choice. Morning, everybody. We're recording this for an episode of the Earth Station Who podcast, which will be available probably by the end of this next week. So you can find this up on the ESO network or wherever fine podcasts are found on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and such. And just look under Earth Station Who. We have a great crew for us. This is the final day of Hulanta. Literally, the final Yeah, the final yeah, one. So that's kind of daunting if you think about yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my name is Mike Faber. I'm the host of the Earth Station Who podcast. Down to my left.
6: Howdy. Your name, sir? I am Mike Gordon. Are you still and, uh, loading? I am still, I'm still loading. I'm about 84% complete.
7: <laughs> <laughs> that's
6: awesome. And next up?
7: I'm Kirby Bartlett-Sloan. I'm... Uh, one co-host of the twenty megabyte Doctor Who podcast, which is not part of ESO, but I hang around.
5: <laughs> and to my right, returning to Earth Station, who the lovely and talented Jennifer Hartshorn. Hello, sweetie. Welcome back.
0: Why? Thank you very much.
5: It is really good to have you back.
0: It's wonderful to be here.
5: And we are going to be talking about who was your first actor. I think it would be a great topic to talk about, and the way we do our shows, especially our live ones like this, we get our audience involved, so please jump in. We want to talk to you guys out there in the audience, and we're going to basically talk about you know why Doctor Who caught our attention first off, who was the first, and why did you decide to stick with the show, because there's so many TV shows, even growing up as kids and such. You know that could have gotten our attention, and so and you know, and Doctor Who was very unique in itself. Mm-hmm. So it'll be a lot of fun to find out from each one of us um, where and how and why, basically. Uh, for those at home who are listening, you can write us at eswpodcast at gmail Or if you have a feedback, we definitely would love to hear from you at four oh four nine six three nine zero five seven. All right. Let's get started with this. I'm going to open it up to everybody here. Where did you start with Doctor Who? Ladies first.
0: All right. Um, My first doctor was the fifth doctor, Peter Davison. Okay. Um, And uh, I discovered Doctor Who when I was 10 or 11 years old, I think. Um, And I I believe it was the the episode The Awakening. Okay. Although uh, I... I missed some, and uh, I, it was it was shortly after that that PBS was running a um, a fund drive, and so they showed the five doctors out of sequence,
5: of course,
0: like you do. Um, and I was just absolutely fascinated. There was there was nothing like it uh, really on TV at the time. Um, I was you know a big nerd and uh, loved my PBS. My mom was like completely addicted to Cosmos. And, uh, you know, all the nature and all the, the documentaries and things. Um, and we got to see full full episodes, like full stories, I should say, um, on, on my station. Like, you know, movie length, basically, oh, yeah. uh, on Saturdays. I, I don't know how people could stand seeing just... Like a tiny piece of the story that would have driven me crazy, but uh, but yeah. So I watched the Peter Davison era, and uh, then uh, Colin was coming on board, but we didn't have those uh, those those episodes in the U.S. yet. So my my PBS station went back to three. Oh, really? And so oh. I went from five to three to four, right? To five to six, and at some point we'll. Probably talk about yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> what happened at that point.
5: We'll get to there. We will get to it. Um, so they just sh- the station you watched on they showed mm-hmm. sh- the full story. Right. Okay. New yeah, Hampshire
0: right. Public Television.
5: Woohoo! So what about it though? Gravity.
0: Gosh. Um,
5: Cause it it could have been this or sort of upstairs, downstairs, or you know, something. Yeah. Like that. I'm just saying. I mean,
0: it could have. <laughs> and don't get me wrong. As as I got older, I actually loved
5: upstairs, downstairs,
0: but it was um, the. That, the, the couple of episodes that I saw early on were actually, this is why I'm so excited to talk to Janet Fielding today, um, they were very Tegan-focused. Right. In, in, in that era, there were a number, the Awakening, Kinda, Snake Dance, things like that, that were um, very uh, focused on the, the personal experiences, the things that, that the companion went through, not just as a person to be rescued but actually very much having adventures of their own. Sure. And um, there, was, there were not a lot of shows that had female characters taking a lead role in science fiction at the time.
5: Totally makes sense. Mikey, what about you?
6: My first doctor is doctor number four, Tom Baker. Of course. Um, yeah. The, um, the gateway drug. I grew up in Massachusetts. Um, and the uh, PBS station there showed Doctor Who, I think it was every night at 7, mm-hmm. 7, 7.30. It was only a half hour. Right. Remember that. Um, and I wasn't able to catch it like every night because I had, you know, kid stuff going on at the time, I guess. and uh, We had a VCR, but I think that came a little bit later. Yeah, that didn't come until like the 80s. So, um, so yeah, I was able to catch it here and there, mm-hmm. um, but I, I really appreciated it. Um, I, I really liked uh, the humor in it. Okay. Uh, I really liked. Uh, I even from an early age, I really liked um, British programming and uh, British sense of humor. Uh, sure. I think around the same time, and I remember the same time. Of course, this was after Star Wars about Star Galactia, and Battlestar Galactica. So sci-fi was like really on my mind. Um, and this was a little bit of a different take on that, but still kind of tied into some of those things. Um, I was listening to uh, the uh, public radio because so they, they were doing uh, Star Wars radio show, and mm-hmm. they were also doing They were also doing Hitchhiker's Guide. Yep. Right, um, and then I got to. It's funny because I got to the point where I enjoyed. Like I, I wanted to listen to. Like I couldn't wait because Hitchhikers was aired after the Star Wars. So I actually enjoyed, like, was looking forward to Hitchhikers more than I was uh, the Star Wars radio show. So, um, so yeah, that. But I didn't know at the time that Douglas Adams was writing right. uh, for Doctor Who. But I, I, I guess that connection was there. Um, and then after that, well, and then also, you know, also the other things that were attracted me to it. Of course, um, Sarah James Smith and Leela. So um, uh, details, yeah, you know. So. Um, But I really like the storytelling too I like the cliffhanger storytelling I grew up watching Batman 66 And (laughs) syndication Uh, My mom watched soaps Um, I've always been a big fan of cliffhangers And uh, that kind of storytelling So I think that was another reason why uh, I was attracted to the Serialized Doctor Who episodes Sure Um, When Tom left I left (laughs) <laughs> uh, I remember watching the Five Doctors because Tom was supposed to be in it, and I was oh. I was really upset. Um, so I, I kind of just uh, I stayed off Doctor Who. I stayed off Doctor Who. Uh, I thought about it occasionally, but I just didn't get back into it until uh, the Fox movie. I'm sorry. So I actually didn't hate that. You know, I
2: thought it had good potential. <laughs> I thought yeah, it had yeah. some potential. But I, I really the liked
6: Paul. Um, I liked the fact that they kept continuity. There was a lot of things I liked about it. But, of course, it didn't continue. Right. So then I just kind of didn't continue with it, obviously, either. Um, and I, didn't, I never went back uh, to watch the classic stuff until uh, New Who came on. Uh, but as soon as New Who was there and available to me to watch... I watched it and, uh, and then I went all in I started watching I mean I got involved with you guys I started watching classical like I'm just you know um, um. it's almost like I was kind of I was kind of a fan but I just didn't like get back into it at all at mm-hmm. some point and sure. I was just waiting for <coughs> something to happen so thank you Russell T Davies for making something happen awesome. so I can get back into it what about your favorite
7: ah when I was a teen I was a big Trekkie And uh, I got involved with science fiction clubs and stuff. And I didn't discover Doctor Who until college, but I'm older than most of you guys. So uh, I first, I had heard of Doctor Who and I used to work in a public library uh, shelving books and I saw science fiction books about science fiction on TV and stuff and I opened up this one book and there was an article about uh, Doctor Who and I had a picture of this weird monster. I'm going, what is this? Later found out it was a zygote. <laughs> I'm going, that, that looks like crap. <laughs> actually, I like the zygons. This like, yeah. I know, I know I, know. <laughs> I know. I like the zygons now. But, but I thought, okay, it was uh, my... Uh, I think it was, yeah, my sophomore year in college. And uh, classes had just ended. And I actually have my... As, podcast, no visuals, but my May 1980 calendar, I wrote down Doctor Who, the Hand of Fear. (laughs) And we our Chicago PBS was showing them every night, half an hour at a time. I sat down, what is this thing? I'm going to watch it. And I was pulled in immediately. And it was I didn't know that companions left. That was also <laughs> somewhat disturbing because I loved Sarah Jane from the beginning, from the moment I saw her.
5: You just happened to see her.
7: I happened to see her last episode, last story. <laughs> and I go, wait, wait, what's going on here? But I just stuck with it uh, in college, way back then. I couldn't afford a TV. I had to watch TV in the student center where we had TV rooms, and. Uh, I ended up getting into the TV room just before uh, about half an hour before to reserve the TV. And within six months we had a Doctor Who group that was mm-hmm. gathering every oh, that's awesome. every afternoon. Yeah we, I was going to Northern Illinois University, so we created a unit, the United Northern Illinois Time Lords. Nice.
5: <laughs> that is awesome.
7: And uh, yeah, I'm gonna
5: open it to anyone out there. How about you? What drew you to Doctor Who? You know, what was you know what caught your eye about it? You were
6: flipping Those channels.
0: Those great special effects.
6: Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the special effects get a lot of like crap, but I will say that you know, I mean, oh, the bubble wrap uh, yeah, monsters. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, look, I didn't at the time. I mean. I saw a lot of bad special effects. I mean, I grew up watching, you know, like you Star Trek, and and the Star Trek where they had the better effects. But there were like tons of stuff that had awful effects. Awful effects were like the norm. So.
0: I, I grew up doing community theater, so, so I was used to, like, the handmade sets kind of thing. So. <laughs> I, was,
6: I, I you know, was able to get past it, to a point, I mean, there's oh, certain sure. times where you're like, yeah, yeah, but, you know. When I first saw it, I thought it was
5: all, like, I thought it was public access or something like that. <laughs> you know, that's how bad the special effects I thought were. What's up?
4: Well, first exposure, Doctor Who, I was in Hungry Horse, Montana last year to go hiking in Glacier. And in the yeah. evening, the only channel that the uh, we could get on the cabin was the PBS channel out of Kalispell, which was having a Doctor Who marathon. Awesome. To commemorate the rediscovery of uh, some of Patrick Troutman's works. Mm-hmm. That, right. Sure. I can't remember whether it was the War Games or the Enemy of the World or whatever. Well, I'd been in Mock in 87, where Patrick Troutman died. I didn't know who he was, so mm-hmm. I watched it. And since when I got home, I got a Brit Box. Subscription. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of interesting because I was born November 22nd, so now oh, I know why my mom never grabbed the fire truck she gave me on my third birthday. <laughs> but uh, that was when Dr. He, you know, that was the very first uh, episode. So I've been working forward through a BritBox subscription from Hartno on through. Awesome. Right now I've exited the. Uh, Oh, Seventh Doctor, Sylvester McCoy, mm-hmm. and I'm going mm-hmm. through the Paul McGann audio stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, I haven't oh, watched awesome. any of the new hard stuff yet, so I feel like I'm only halfway educated really? in the whole. Thing. That is awesome. But dude. the depth and variety of it—I mean, it's being somebody, like I—I I remember Star Trek when it first aired. I mean, that was Batman and Star Trek; those are two of my favorite shows of the week. And the idea that there was this whole fandom of such immense length and complexity that I as somebody who had been a science fiction person since my earliest childhood had no knowledge of it's been a really exciting voyage of discovery in fact it's rather distressing to me to find out this is the Atlanta Who convention just as I've discovered it and now it's a closing, closing shop. so such is the nature of things but that's me every ending, well, has both a,
5: every ending though has a new beginning just remember that you know, it's never over Intent, hint. nudge, nudge. What about you guys out there? Okay.
8: Um, I started watching in As far as I can recall, using the broadcast Doctor Who website, like July of 1980. In Chicago, WTTW, right? And when they were showing the 25-minute episodes, like at five or five thirty, something think, like that, yeah. And my earliest memory is watching the Ark in Space. Awesome. And being scared witless when the, worm fell, the dead worm fell out. <laughs> and it was just Tom Baker looked like no other character on television. <laughs> Very true. Um, it was funny. It was, it was just, I think, even today, just the mystery of it. it the slow pace of trying to, okay, what's happening here? Mm-hmm. And the fact that he didn't see it all at once, I think, was probably... Had me coming back each evening during the week. Mm-hmm. The fact it was a 25 minute episode as opposed to the whole, you know, hour and a half
5: or whatever, mm-hmm. One fell asleep. so. That's pretty awesome. In the back.
8: Yeah, I, I started in, when I was in college, probably around 2000. My um, cousin kind of got me into it. I had seen a little Tom Baker the kid,
9: but uh, I think the first thing I truly watched was talents. and. Um,
8: I was like this is cool and I don't Earth Earthstruck like, and I love the cycle and, and mm-hmm. you know, always a big sci-fi but I think the concepts and the mythology is what hooked me uh, so I think uh, hardcore I lived in with Peter Davis and I really, really enjoyed that that run of episodes and you know that'll feel always be my first so to speak
5: that's awesome though yeah. 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 everyone always has their first yeah. and they always have a soft spot for that doctor that's one of the cool things about Doctor Who. And that's the... Doctor Who keeps on reinventing itself. And that's... Even we're finding that now with Jodie as the yes. Doctor. And the show just keeps on reinventing. And it's, the show is about change. And, you know, over the 55, almost 56 years now, that's the one constant in it. The show is going to change. The only thing that's not is the outside of the TARDIS. So... <laughs> Slightly, but, you know. Slightly, yeah. Um The first time I heard of Do-
2: Doctor Who was in a 1972 TV Guide article, which I still have. Really? Wow. Yes, it, it had pictures from the Sea Devils, which was, um, I think, currently airing at time mm-hmm. or something. But it was, and then I didn't hear about it for a while. I thought I started watching it in 74, but according to Red, White, and Blue, it's 76. But I started watching it on WGBH in Boston. Mm-hmm. Right. That's one. And yep. my first episode was the last part of Doctor Who and the Solurians. I didn't know anything about Timelands, so I wrote in my diary, the doctor is your typical eccentric English gentleman. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, I, and there was, there was nothing about Doctor Who anywhere, so I had to pick up the, the facts from the series Time, limits, the time So, um but so my first doctor was Furby and I I still love John Furby and I still love Roger Delgado
7: Mm he was just evil because he could be and I just loved that
2: Um, I also remember when the Tom Baker once came on commercial TV with the Howard DeSilva narration
5: I remember those
2: I
7: don't know if anybody else remembers that. But the Howard DeSilva uh, intros were part of the PBS ones, on WTTW, mm-hmm. Weren't they? Ours were on the I think so. Um, yeah.
5: Hmm. Go ahead, Nicole. Um, I started watching,
3: um, our, for some reason, our high school started in eighth grade instead high ninth grade, and I had met this girl, and she, we were talking about television, and we were very geeky, and she said, uh, so, what shows do you like? And I said, I like
5: the Tomorrow People. Mm-hmm. And so Ooh. she says, <laughs> Oh, yeah.
3: Because
5: you were watching probably on, on Nickelodeon. People. And I
3: was like, What is that? And she was like, You've got to be kidding. <laughs> like, to be kidding. Like, <laughs> tomorrow People, they never heard of talk through it. And I was like, I'm sorry, you know. And um, so she said, Okay. Saturday go home was, I was in Atlanta and she said turn on PBS and, and watch it and at the time uh, they were airing season 14 with Tom Baker mm-hmm. and um, so I know it was sometime that season because I remember the secondary council room was my first harvest mm. that's the only memory I have but um, I was just so caught up in it I mean it was just I couldn't wait on Saturdays to just sit and they would usually just play it as an on the bus and I loved the, when they would have the fundraisers, they, they would play stuff all day. And I, I just, it, it was such, uh, I've always been a writer and I just loved the way it captured my imagination. It was a different setting each time and it was changing up and even though the, the cast would come and go, it still felt fresh. And I just, that was what I think attracted to, it attracted me to it the, the most. So. That is
5: awesome.
0: I was also very lucky that um, when I was 14, um, I, again, they, they announced it on the PBS station uh, that uh, Patrick Troughton was was doing a tour, and conventions were kind of different then. This was really like like somebody, like some person who had like a truck full of Doctor Who memorabilia and then got Patrick Troughton to come and...
1: Right. QA. That
0: that was that was kind of what the convention was. There was a costume contest, which I won playing Tegan, uh, where wearing the, the, the white uh, the white outfit with the like strapless thing and the shorts. So yes, I won, won my first costume contest.
5: You should bring that up in the end
0: I go, oh, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's gonna
0: happen. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I had never seen any of his episodes. Cool. And it was it was just it was kinda weird. Um, And then shortly after that, I started going to uh, Nerd Summer Camp, um, uh, CTY, Center for Academically Talented Youth. Um, And then that was when I met a bunch of other fans and a bunch of other people my age who were really, really into it and really excited about it. And um, as a result of one of the people that I met through that, uh, he he ended up uh, calling me, of course, because pre email. And saying, what are you doing this weekend? And I'm like, I, I, I don't know. This was when I was like 16, I think. Uh, and, and I said, I don't know. And he's like, can, can you get your mom to bring you down as far as Concord? I'm like, why? And he said, the, the Massachusetts, and those of you who were in Massachusetts at the time, the Massachusetts station is doing a, a one evening meet and greet. With Colin and Tom Baker, oh. and I was like, I will find a way to get there. So, so my mom drove me down as far as Concord. They picked me up, and we went down. And it was it was just like the two of them completely jet lagged, you know, saying, I "Guess I'll sign some autographs." Uh, but but it was very exciting. And uh, that first one is where I got my poster. Um, the the Doctor Who exhibition experience or something which Patrick Troughton signed Um, and then I got both Bakers to sign it and then when I started doing Hulanta and the other conventions around here I got a few more so I now have two, four, five, six, eight I think that's it two, four, five, six, eight Yeah. Um, but yeah it's pretty cool. cool
6: That's awesome. I, also, I thought that was what the movie The Fabulous Baker Boys is about, but I was disappointed. <laughs> um, I had a friend, I gotta say this, I gotta give a shout out to, uh, and I know he's not here, won't, but maybe he'll listen to this, maybe he won't at some point, but in high school I had a good friend named Matt Black. We uh, went to high school together, we were on the swim team together, and he was uber into uh, Doctor Who. In fact, he had a Fourth Doctor scarf
1: Ooh. that
6: he wore. In high school, like every day in the winter. And he, I don't know how, like I always marveled at him because he did not get, like, back in those days, like, you did not, like, wear your freak flag, you know? And yet, he managed to, like, not get a lot of crap about it. Yeah, I don't know if anybody really understood. <laughs> they they probably was,
0: didn't get it. They just, they just like, thought oh, his just mom got a made a really long her. scarf. Yeah.
6: But I think his mom had made it or something like that. But anyway, um, yeah, this is, like, freshman year in high school. And you would think that would be a red flag and he would just get beat up every day. But he didn't. Uh, we talked Doctor Who a lot because he was so into it. And so um, even though I, I couldn't watch it or I wasn't watching it all the time, I was constantly talking about it. Um, I remember he uh, let me borrow uh, the novelization of Invasion of the Dinosaurs. And so I read that. And when I read it, there's nothing in that book that it clarifies which doctor it is. Oh. So I naturally assumed it was Tom. And so every time I think of that story, I think it's a Tom Baker story, and it's not. So when I finally saw the, uh, the Pertwee one, I was like, this is weird. <laughs> but the novelization totally works. I guess that, that's cool. I don't know if the other novelizations do that where they don't clarify what Doctor it is. But I think going in not knowing is kind of interesting.
5: That's pretty awesome, though. Because, yeah, I came to Doctor Who fairly similar to all of you guys Um, probably 79 or so was home on a Saturday afternoon and I was playing around with the cable box seeing what channels I could try to sneak in and everything (laughs) and so I was playing with the tuner and everything and one of the stations we didn't get was WOR from New York and they were showing Doctor Who on Saturday afternoons And all of a sudden, on my TV popped up this guy with really big teeth. He was wearing a Sherlock Holmes hat. (gasps) And he was... Fighting these Asian guys and this little midget.
2: An episode
5: and I was I was just like hooked right there, <laughs> hooking line and sinker. And they showed the whole episode, the whole storyline, uh-huh. and so I got to watch all the way through. You know, the death of Magnus Creel and everything, uh-huh. and it was awesome. Then it disappeared on me. Oh. I couldn't get that back. <laughs> I was trying to beg my parents to get, you know, can you pay for the upgrade for cable so I could see it? But no. But we had, at the time, a, um, you know, at the shopping mall, we had, you know, we had the, the little bookstore, like Barnes & Noble mm-hmm. or whatever. And, or actually it was B. Dalton. And um, they had yeah, in all the, the... books. Yeah. They, but they had a science fiction section. Mm-hmm. And I saw all of a sudden... These novelizations, the whole, they had the whole series of the American printing of Doctor Who. Wow. So it was, you know, the it was the Cybermen story. It was mm-hmm. Tom's first Cybermen story. It was the Sontorens. It was... Mm-hmm. You know, then they had the Dalek invasion from Perky or Mm -hmm. the Green Death, you know, and so it was just, it was awesome to read. I picked those up and I requested, talked to the person at the information desk and they said, oh yeah, we can import for you. The Target books, Ooh. and we can order those for you, and we can get those at regular cover price. Uh-huh. And I was like, "Yes, please." I ended up before even started watching Doctor Who, mm-hmm. I started collecting the Target books.
0: That's awesome.
5: And so all the way back from the first Doctor,
1: mm-hmm.
5: on, and also at the time, Marvel Comics had brought out the reprints of the Doctor Who's um, Dave Gibbons. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, premiere. I had exactly. those issues. Yeah, I bought the... I picked up those, you know. And so I was starting to get obsessed with Doctor Who. And then the PBS station in Washington, D.C. started playing Doctor Who but at 11 p.m. Mm-hmm. And so for my bar mitzvah, my parents gave me my first TV. And so I watched Doctor Who, you know, every night. And from Monday through Friday, they showed the uh, Tom Baker stories, Mm -hmm. but when they got to the end of the Baker stories, they started over again, Mm -hmm. so I became very versed in in Tom Baker, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, then they decided at the pledge time, hey, there's, you know, because we kept on seeing him turn into Peter, and it's like, (laughs) but then it, and then we went back, so we got, they finally said, we're going to show the Peter Davison ones for the Mm -hmm. pledge drive. And they brought Peter into town. Cool. So my parents actually drove me down to meet him Mm -hmm. and everything. And I had the same reaction to him, pretty much what I felt like when we met him in Huntsville. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So um, he was very generous and very friendly to the kids. But, you know, it was a neat experience to meet my first Mm dog. And then they showed all the Peter stories. All the way through, I think it was the first, his first two seasons, mm-hmm. and then they ended it with The Five Doctors, mm-hmm. and then they went back to time. <laughs> so, um, but I was able through other means to start watching, um, you know, I got to start seeing Patrick and mm-hmm. John and everything. I never saw a Hartnell story probably until like maybe 20 years ago and
6: anything.
0: I never saw a Hartnell story until I watched it on for, for ESW. Really? Yep.
6: Yeah, I didn't see a Hartnell story until uh, about, you know, afternoon, so when we
7: did mm-hmm. it for the podcast. Uh, my first Hartnell story was probably around 1981, 82, and Science fiction convention, uh, where okay, you- someone someone had had a, a copy of just the first episode of an unearthly child. Mm-hmm. I had no idea the rest of the story was awful. <laughs> but, it was, but the thing was, once I got
5: once I got to college, because I got teased all the time about Doctor, because. I was an art major in high school, you know, even, and I designed cereal boxes called Juvios and you know <laughs> stuff like that, and you know, you know, and got teased mercilessly because a lot of my illustrations I did stuff with Doctor Who in it, mm-hmm. and you know things like that. But in college, I met like-minded people, mm-hmm. you know, who loved Doctor Who. We started watching the uh, Sylvester McCoy stories, mm-hmm. and. Those were amazing because we were watching bootleg copies of them. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> and we were watching we were watching Sylvester. We were also watching Red Dwarf, and mm-hmm. you know, getting into all that type of stuff, and it was just awesome. And then the series ended, and you know, I thought, okay, that's it for Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. And then they brought the TV movie back, and basically, when the TV movie, it was like. I was already married to my first wife, and oh, Doctor Who's here! You know this mm-hmm. is going to be awesome. She was like, I introduce
0: her to Doctor Who. Exactly, it's, it's going to be
5: great. And we watched it, and she was like, "That's it." <laughs> I should have ended it then with her, but I should have done better.
7: But
0: yeah, I didn't see the, the TV movie when it came out because uh, I I loved Doctor Who so much that the idea of an American station doing it, mm-hmm. having an American companion, have I, I just I, I
5: was but really, Harry was an American companion. <laughs> uh, well,
0: well, and that's, that's that's another thing we can talk about. But um, but yeah, I was I was very apprehensive about it, and um, I figured I'll I'll you know I'll ask somebody to to, uh, to uh, record it on DVD because we were still doing DVDs there at the time, and uh and tell me how it is. And I asked a couple people, and they're like, Jed, don't watch it. Just, just don't watch it. It will make you mad. He kisses her. And I'm like, that's
5: it. I'm done. No, none of this. It was interesting, though, because Doctor Who went away for from- me. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about Big Finish. I didn't know anything. Sick. I read um, Human Nature, you know, because mm-hmm. I saw at a bookstore. And so I picked that up, and you know, I said, "Okay, just like Star Trek, and mm-hmm. my love for it will be part of my past. Mm-hmm. And I still always love it." Sure. And I had started hearing rumors about what they were talking about bringing it back. I had heard rumors that Steven Spielberg wanted to bring it back with Michael Jackson as the <laughs> doctor. I had heard all these. You know, I still followed all these type of rumors and stuff. And then um, I saw the first picture of Chris as the doctor. Mm-hmm. And how can I watch this? And I was lucky enough to be living in Seattle at the time. And pretty much, um, right before it was going to premiere, I moved here. Mm -hmm. But I had friends of mine and who still lived out there and Seattle has, um, the luckiness to be able to get Canadian... Yes, uh, same in New Hampshire. Exactly, we get Canadian channels on our cable system. Mm -hmm. And so they were able to see the new Doctor Who. So friends of mine, we were using their old VHS Mm -hmm. and recording it for me. And we're putting it up on the computer so I was able to see the first couple. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, wow. Then I started seeing people actually I started coming to Dragon Con mm-hmm. and I started seeing people dressed as Tenet with the 3D glasses mm-hmm. and everything and it was just like, oh and then sci-fi started showing it mm-hmm. that was it Yeah. And everything.
7: I, I fell away from the show as well, uh, probably I moved away from the Chicago area and moved to Lexington, Kentucky where they didn't show it and I, I still kept up as much as I could uh, I remember going to a science fiction convention around 83, 82, 83 taking my VCR, and hooking up, we basically had a group, a mini-track of Doctor Who that was not not official, but a bunch of us got together and, well, we hooked together four or five VCRs and copied bootleg.
5: We don't know anything, and we don't donate here on the network. No, no, and, no. And,
7: and so that's, it. that's how I saw... Uh, the three doctors for the first time right so I saw something like seven for the first time (laughs) yes and um, then it just kind of I'd watch those over and over and over and it just kind of fell away from me I remember in when the TV movie came out I remember watching it but not being terribly impressed it didn't make me come back I, I think I even recorded it on VHS, but I don't I know where that, that one is. That uh, probably happened somewhere. <laughs> uh, and then... I might then record then it over a, it, actually. <laughs> about, about a year before uh, before uh, RTD brought it back. No, actually it was about three years before I, we got uh, Netflix DVDs sent to us. I started mm. catching up. Mm. And that's when I fell back in and became a fan again now getting back to your to the novelizations that you were getting you were getting the pinnacle books correct those have every one of them has this great introduction that's the same introduction on in all of them it's Harlan Ellison wrote it exactly and Harlan that's awesome was was very negative towards television most television mm-hmm. and he is absolutely gushing about Doctor Who about Doctor Who it's, it's worth it just you can find that introduction online it's worth it find it read it
5: mm-hmm. hell if you can find the books
7: yeah I've got them all <laughs> well, of course you do Kirby. <laughs> I bought them back when I was before I
5: fell away from the shop what about you guys out there was there any you know thing that, like oh this is awesome I gotta start watching this you know or oh my friends are telling me all about this you know what drew you to it you know sir
7: so I, I fell into it basically because it was something that was filling the small, wee small hours of the morning on our mid-watch. When I was my last year of the Navy. When mm-hmm. I was in the last year I was in the Navy. And then I moved to Texas and our the local PBS station had it. And my group of friends and I would have a game night. And we would break up the game in time to watch Doctor Who's Red War. hmm
5: not a bad way to... Is, we
7: start. We, I
5: started with started with John Baker. Cool. That is awesome. And it's kind of neat because, like, my love of Doctor Who got me to be able to introduce it to my wife, to be able to introduce it to my son, who's a huge Whovian now. And, you know, he knows almost about it as much as I do. And it's it's just awesome to be able to do stuff to pass it on and everything. And that's... What I hope, you know, you out there, both here in the audience and at home, um, are doing is, you know, passing on your love to it to the mm-hmm. next generation so the show can continue.
7: I tried, but my middle daughter, who was a big Whovian for a long time, fell away during Capaldi. She won't watch. She won't watch at all. Will she watch old
1: stuff? or?
7: Uh, she wasn't really into the old stuff. Now, my oldest daughter watches all old, old ones with me because in, on the 20 megabyte Doctrine podcast we're going through all the stories in sequence where uh, we just started Romana 2 mm-hmm. uh, and my oldest daughter she's 25, she's watching with me uh, and she loves the old ones that
5: is cool but, but,
7: but, but the, the middle one who's the biggest geek of them all she used to come to, to this convention uh, mm-hmm. she stopped watching Hmm. Just because of Capaldi? Yeah. Yeah. What's up?
9: Yeah, I started watching on about seven um, in 1978, and then mine was also Tom Baker with uh, The Talent of a giant. It's
1: so weird that. I, I've
0: heard from so many people that that was their first episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
9: And I remember the first episode was the one where they're in the sewer and there's this red Exactly, oh, <laughs> We watched the same show. Yeah, you know, Lila, and that was the very first one. And uh, then I you know, kept on watching. I do like to tell this story, though. Um, my uh, parents were um, stationed in Northern Ireland when I was in the Navy. And so my uh, parents were trying to find information on the news about Jay, oh, President Kennedy had died the day before. And so they mm-hmm. were tuning on you know, TV. And so they saw the very first episode back then, and then they also saw all, all the Hartnell uh, years and the very first uh, season of Patrick Traven. And uh, my dad said, You know, when he saw me watching later on in the 80s, and he says, You know, the, the doctor, oh, the, doc, the doctor has, that actor hasn't always been the lead doctor, but they not had another guy to play it.
5: And you probably looked at him. You, you probably looked and went,
9: yeah. "What do you mean?" So, so I told all my friends, you know, that watching, you know, that he can change like that. So I just basically I was, it didn't act like I was, you know, I was just making it up. And so then when uh, you know Tom Baker regenerated into Peter Davidson, I knew, you know, at that time that he could change. That was really cool for me.
5: That is was awesome. It's it's neat because when you have stories like that and you know we have friends who've been on the show before and some of them have been watching literally since the Mm -hmm. Hartnell era and such and you know and we like to tease them about how old they are but that's a different story but it's just awesome that they stuck with the show and You know, hearing the tales of, you know, when I was a kid, I used to hide behind the couch Mm -hmm. because the Daleks were on, you know. Or we used to run down the street playing the Doctor and the Daleks, you know. It was just awesome just to think about.
6: Yeah, I think that's one of the things that's appealing to, not only because of the, the show itself, I think one of the things that's appealing about Doctor Who is that when you... Meet other people The way they discovered it Is a lot different Than the way you discovered it There's no two mm-hmm. ways it's the same Exactly And it's just sort of nice And, and the fact that you know, growing up, and, and at least through our experiences, you know, we had to, if you wanted to get more Doctor Who, you had to work for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you had to like seek it out depending had to on who you If you moved to a different place, you had to figure out, you know, what that PBS schedule was like, or you had to look for the books, you had to get the tapes. Even with New Who, like even like 15 years ago, or whatever it was. When Who started, like it didn't come to the states right away, no. so you had to find other ways to try yeah. to, like you know, to try I'll, to get
5: up until like, you know. BBC America took it over from. So, SIPI or whatever they called it. Um, whatever they're calling it. Exactly. Um, either there was a delay in them broadcasting it you know, by six months sometimes. Oh, sure. And or and when they showed the episodes, they were edited down
6: from the original. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that also bugged the crap out of me. Yeah, so and, you had to sort of work to get it. And there was just sort of this sort of like, I don't know, it's like... This thing that made it, like, even more special because of all of that.
5: Exactly. And that's what's great about Doctor Who is it's worth it to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I still know people that watch it on a British feed and such mm-hmm. to this day. What's we,
2: had a, we had a friend who was, He sent us through... through we didn't get Jody whatever but we, he he, the, he had the three-meter dish. Right. He had the broadcast and, and send them to people. But, um... I just wanted to share a, a, a memory of the TV movie, which I didn't mind the American Companion as much as i had, and I minded Eric Roberts as well. the yeah. too.
6: You mean the
5: drag master? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, anyway
2: um, when the TV movie aired, the local um, Doctor Who club, we took basically, we, Took over a sports bar and watched it on the big screen TVs at the sports bar. and That was a lot of fun. Cool. We got to see it together.
5: Really? Oh, that is awesome. Yeah, that was the the famous (laughs) Waitron.
9: The restaurant next door had a sign that
5: said Waitron as well. (laughs) What's up?
9: I think that,
8: like, there's also the collection standpoint of, like, I gotta get the Thing. There's always it's like multifaceted in a way that Star Wars is too, I guess, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that you there's just always something new to collect in, in the fandom of food. So,
5: well, especially now since they're restoring a lot of yeah. old series mm-hmm. and bringing it out on Blu-ray, mm-hmm. and with, like the collected of Tom's first season, his last season, Peter's first season. Mm-hmm. And so it's just—it's interesting to see what they're doing with that. It's pretty awesome.
2: Yeah, I mean, like I—I
8: I, my daughter's three and a half. <clears throat> I buy these um, Rob Hartwig books, and mm-hmm. they do like Doctor First, Doctor Second.
7: Oh, those are great. <laughs> oh yes, yeah, I've seen those. Yeah. yeah. Well, also, like, yeah I can't—too
8: young to really watch it and really sit there and watch it, but she'll say, "Let's read the one with the dollars. I like the
0: dollars." <laughs> <laughs> or or you
8: know, Start them early. Yeah. Sure. And so. She really likes that. She I don't know if she quite grasped the concepts of regeneration, obviously, but you know, and I just introducing her, you
1: know, seeing, seeing how she'll like it when she gets older. So. Mm-hmm. Of course. That's cool, you know. Go ahead.
2: And my first doctor was the ninth doctor, and my sister in law, who's with me, first got me to him probably four or five years ago, and I binge watched from Rose all the way through to probably part of Kenneth. Okay. I caught myself back and we got to watch them in real time as the seasons went on and now we've got a small movie, who has his room decorated in Dr. Who, awesome amazing my, um, my husband's always liked it I don't know that he's as big a fan as we are but he's, he's watched them since Tom Baker Wow. I love it Oh that's awesome.
5: And it's great that you can do that and that you pass like we say pass it on. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be it's going to be generational as you know. And it already has in a lot of ways done that. You know, doing it to your kids, doing it to your nieces and nephews. You know, and it's just like and it's awesome. You know, when my nieces and nephew come down at the holidays, are we going to watch the holiday special, Uncle Mike? You know, know, it's just like, yes, I've succeeded.
0: Things you don't hear about Star
5: Wars. Exactly. That is awesome. Wow. You had to go there. I try to block that thing out of my mind. We all do. Yeah, I know. But it's it's interesting, especially nowadays when there's so much gaps between seasons mm-hmm. and such. And
0: it's wonderful that there's so much that we can go back to, and that there's there's so much there's big finish, and there's you know you know like if if I like a TV show, like for example, Better Call Saul, my like, my favorite non-genre TV show. There's nothing in between. There's there's no content for like a year in between seasons.
5: Look at Game of Thrones. Oh well two years. In yeah, yeah, seasons. exactly.
0: Um and it's wonderful that we have I mean there there are very few people I know I know most of those people in the southeast are probably in this room right now but uh, <laughs> but but there's not a lot of people who have seen and heard and read everything there is about Doctor Who it seems like there's always more that you can go back
5: to I met somebody yesterday mm-hmm. they came to a table and they were looking around it and we started talking about they got into Doctor. Who mm-hmm. and everything. They actually got into it because of big finish. They mm-hmm. had never oh. heard oh, of the That's TV different. Stuff. and they were over in the UK and they went into one of the shops mm-hmm. and they had them on the shelves.
0: Was this during the wilderness years or yeah oh, okay. it was before the new series yeah. came back oh, no. wow.
5: and, right. and they started picking up uh, the Peter Davison and cool. Paul McGann stuff uh-huh. and they were like, oh this stuff is amazing. And they got
4: hooked that way. It was it, pretty awesome.
0: I, I heard someone say that, that the amazing thing about with, with Big Finish is it's almost like it's the fanfic that, that you know that the people write to fill in the gaps in, in, in the story. Only you actually have the real actors doing it.
5: Exactly, which is awesome. And thank you, Mr. Moffat, for making some of it actually canon. Yes. <laughs> so, so it's pretty awesome. So yeah, this is cool to be able to talk to you guys about it and to hear your stories and let's not stop, let's keep on telling these stories tell people how you get into it and that's what's great about Doctor Who to be able to share it with everybody like that, what's up?
4: Well my experience is probably a little bit different than the rest of you in this room since I've come to it relatively recently, mm-hmm. which is awesome but And the you, thing that I here. find fascinating about it, as far as a technique of uh, a premise for storytelling. You have mm-hmm. a mortal character who can insert himself at any point in time mm-hmm. and at any point in space. It is infinitely flexible. Mm-hmm. The thing that intrigues me about it is it's like this enormous jigsaw puzzle and you're trying to fit the pieces together but I don't know whether there's any underlying pattern but if there's not there's a certain fun in trying to work with it. I mean like the Cybermen and the Daleks how come they have multiple origin stories <laughs> <laughs> does it have my own uh, theories about that but is he able to change time is he not can mm-hmm. he go back and see himself will he go back and see himself or mm-hmm. herself or whatever it's still an ongoing thing it's, mm-hmm. even though the, the, it, it's more, com- it's potentially far more complex than even things like the Star Trek universe, which has been around a comparable amount of time. And it's such a tool to perhaps explore some of the profoundest questions mm-hmm. that humanity has about itself and its place in the universe. No, very well said,
5: because, you know, that's always a quick question, you know, and even Doctor Who has changed it over the years about time travel, Mm -hmm. you know, the whole thing with the fixed points in time, and that you can't change certain things, but other minor things you can fix Mm -hmm. and change, and look what happened the whole episode with Rose's dad, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it, it created a conundrum, because she changed history. And brought those silly wraiths that we never saw again. You know? Exactly, like, yeah. And the whole thing with that. But it's okay for the doctor to change little things. Mm-hmm. And also... You know, like Pompeii.
1: Well, exactly.
5: But the thing is with it, you know, where the doctor... What goes with it is the doctor does meet him or herself mm-hmm. throughout time and run into themselves because... Every time, you're bound to run it. If you travel as much as the doctor does, mm-hmm. you're bound to run into oneself and just try not to mess up with your history. Mm-hmm. And, you know, look what happened with Avengers Endgame. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that just threw all time travel stuff out the window. Yeah. But we're not counting that. So.
7: so, but it's interesting. But what's up? One thing about Doctor Who that has changed my life. Really? is nine years ago I would not have ever imagined I would be in front of an audience talking to people like this I was very introverted and just would not I was extremely shy and Doctor Who, Doctor Who fandom has brought me out and I I'm totally comfortable in front of audiences yeah. and stuff a lot <laughs> of podcasts a lot. yeah of course
5: And it's interesting because I was the same way in a lot of things. You know, a lot of times getting up here is almost like performing. Mm
4: -hmm. And,
5: you know, getting up and talking to people. I don't feel nervous at all talking Mm -hmm. in front of this, you know, crowd of You know, I've sat in front of a thousand people and talked to them and Mm -hmm. everything. Not a problem. But, you know, and then talking about because it's things I love Mm -hmm. and you have a passion for. And that... Circumcises and you know basically pushes out what you're going for and was Look at the
0: look on your face.
5: Yeah, exactly. So, but it's the thing about it is it overrides whatever issues I I might have with thinking oh my god I'm talking in front of a zillion people and everything and it's just it's awesome to do and it it helps you come out in a lot of ways and become the you know show what you want and doctor who has always been since day one I've loved it and once I discovered it once I brought it into my life
1: Mm
5: -hmm. it's there
0: like like a lot of fandoms, I think one of the great things about it is community, mm-hmm. and you know finding people who are, who are like you, who enjoy the same things that you do, that, that maybe you have felt for a long time like you were the only one, or the, you know, and and it's it, it's really weird to be a Doctor Who fan now like remembering when it was completely not cool. You know, I I, I always tell people that like if you had told my twelve year old self that, you know, in the future Doctor Who would be one of the most popular T V shows in the world <laughs> and you know superhero movies would would make more money than anything else and we- and Weird Al would have grammy awards <laughs> you know i just it would have blown my mind but but i think i think community and that's that's why i love that's why i love small conventions like this that you know i i love i love dragon con of course but but here you get to actually connect with other people more there's there's not the, the huge crowds and the huge drama and the huge parties to the same extent. Um, so, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to miss having a, a small hometown con where I get to talk about my favorite nerdy things with my favorite nerdy people.
5: I think that's a good way to wrap that up, actually. (laughs) You know, we want to thank everybody for joining us today. You'll be able to hear this up on Earth Station Who probably by the end of the week. And, you know, please listen, subscribe. We're up on every media player you can think of pretty much anymore. Plus Facebook. Plus Facebook. Yep. Exactly.
0: Good conversations.
5: Exactly. We have a great, you know, Facebook group. And definitely, you know, want to hear from you. Please if you have any comments about us, find us, eswpodcast.com and or eswpodcast at gmail.com if you want to write us, or we're part of the ESO network.
7: And can I plug 20 megabyte? No. Of course and also there's the 20 megabyte Doctor Who podcast, 2 MB, to find it, Facebook, everywhere.
5: That's awesome.
7: We'll edit that out of the show.
5: Exactly. <laughs> And now that I have other things I need to edit out, too, so it's perfect. (laughs) And thank you, Mike Gordon. As always, my pleasure. Jennifer Hartshorn.
0: Wonderful to see you guys again.
5: Wonderful for you to be back. And Kirby. Great fun. Thank you, everyone. My name is Mike Faber. Thank you for joining us.
6: Enjoy the rest of your life. You have been listening to Earth Station Who, a bi-weekly pop culture podcast dedicated to all things Doctor Who, featuring talents from across the universe. All topics on the show are the sole opinions of the individual and are used for entertainment value alone. You subscribe to our podcast up on iTunes, Stitcher, or follow our blog at www.esopodcast.com. You can also follow us up on Facebook, Twitter, or Google+. If you enjoyed the show, please leave feedback up on iTunes.
5: The ESO network has a brand new Patreon. That's right. We're asking for your help and you could do it for as little as a dollar a month. Don't fret. All your favorite shows will still be available for free as always, but now you can get exclusive podcasts and more not heard anywhere else but on our Patreon. To sign up for the ESO network Patreon's easy. All you have to do is click on the link on the top navigation of the ESO network website or go to patreon.com/eso network. With your support of the ESO network, it's you who will reap the rewards.